Welcome to the IT Smart Guy podcast, a technology podcast aimed at the modern business owner. And here's your host, Tony Edwards. Hello and welcome to episode six of the IT Smart Guy podcast, the tech-based podcast for the modern business owner. My name is Tony and in this episode we're going to discuss the recent Twitter acquisition announcements from Zoom, who are launching their own email and calendar service, and more potential price hikes from Microsoft. We'll then chat about the cost of living crisis in the brain dump, and as always, at the end, I'll be sharing my tip of the episode. So let's jump in, shall we? Let's look at what's happening in the news. So, in the news this time, Elon Musk has finally acquired Twitter, That happened at the end of October. And let's face it, if you haven't read the news, he has started his tenure with a big bang. Within days, nine members of the Twitter board had departed and Musk was left as the only director. Top executives left and mass layoffs began. And they're estimating that up to 50% of staff are going to be let go. Twitter are also launching a new subscription service this month which includes a monthly fee for that blue tick. So why are Twitter letting so many people go? The answer to this is simple. Most of the revenue that Twitter makes comes from advertising revenue and brand awareness campaigns. A combination of Musk taking over and a visible rise in online activism and hate speech has seen an increasing number of big companies such as Audi, IPG, Carlsberg, the makers of uh, sorry, the makers of Oreo, and other big hitters pulling their advertising budgets away from the platform. Now, Twitter haven't seen a user increase in a while, and their numbers have been stagnating at around 300 million users a month. And according to most of the reports, the company hasn't made a profit for a number of years either. So let's face it, something's got to change. But Twitter aren't the only big tech firm laying off staff. This week alone, Meta have begun the same, and they estimate to be making, I believe it's 11,000 people redundant. Moving on to the new subscription service, Twitter Blue was originally launched about a year ago, and it was designed to be a way to view things like ad-free articles from publishers, to make additional adjustments to the app, including the ability to adjust the color of your icon, of t- your Twitter icon on your phone. Why you want to do that and pay for it, I don't know. Now, Elon Musk wants subscriptions to form half of Twitter's revenue overall. And the only way this will be able to happen is to turn Twitter blue into something else. So this is what they've done. For $8 a month in the US, I believe it's $6.99 in the UK, you can opt in to Twitter Blue and essentially pay Twitter to have the blue tick on your account and have early access to new features. And if you can believe what's written on the help pages with all, uh, that are on the Twitter website, the edit tweet feature could be coming in at some point, which for those people that make spelling mistakes in their tweets, massive plus. Now, up until the takeover, the blue tick meant that your account was verified. It was a way to indicate 
Uh, things like being active on the platform, notable and authentic accounts of people with public interest, so celebrities and that sort of thing. All of these were verified by Twitter based on their terms and their requirements. With the new version of Twitter Blue, anybody can have that blue tick as long as you're paying your money. And there's no, no real authentication process. Now, you can only get this if you have an iOS device or you're in the following countries, the US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and in the UK currently. Now, according to Twitter, these changes have been put in place as a way to reduce fake and untrustworthy accounts and as a way to promote a higher quality platform. Now, if you have created a Twitter profile on or after the 9th of November, which was just this Wednesday, you will not be able to sign up to Twitter Blue. So what happens to those notable celebs and public figures with authenticated accounts and blue ticks already? Simple. They have to start paying their $8 a month or their £6.99 a month. Or after 90 days, that tick goes away. Now, is it going to be worth it? Only time will tell. Or only Elon will know. Now, from Twitter, we're going to jump to some news from Zoom. Now, Zoom held their annual conference, Zootopia, earlier this week. I'm recording this on the day it's due to go out, Friday the 11th of November. Um, and their conference was on the 8th and 9th. And with any tech conference or event, it was stacked full of announcements. And I want to chat through a few. Now, working from home has loads of pros and loads of cons. And a lot of the cons can be solved through the use of technology. But one thing that you potentially can't solve is enabling remote workers to not miss out on things like general conversations with colleagues in the canteen or the break room, or to have those water cooler moments. Now, Zoom believe they may have the answer to virtual co-working with a product called Zoom Spots. Now, Zoom Spots is a video-enabled persistent space which has been integrated within the uh, Zoom platform. And it's been designed to help foster inclusive discussions, keep colleagues, uh, colleagues connected even, and to bring fluid interactions between distributed and hybrid teams. Now, during the pandemic, I was a member of a networking group and they tried to do this for a couple of hours each day so members could have those water cooler moments or eat lunch together and have a chat. Now, all they did was open a Zoom meeting and have someone sat there as the host. I can only assume that Zoom Spots is going to take that sort of ingenuity to the next level. Zoom also unveiled something called Virtual Agent. This is being billed as an intelligent conversational AI and chatbot solution, which uses natural language processing machine learning to understand and quickly resolve issues for customers within a contact center environment. It's built to be able to work on multiple support channels and that it will aim to deliver fast and personalized customer experiences with an aim to help reduce call volumes for human agents. Now, Virtual Agent, like Zoom Spots, will be available in early 2023. The feature will be fully integrated with Zoom Contact Center 
as well as being offered as a standalone chatbot offering. So if you've already got a contact center but no chatbot, there's no reason why you couldn't bolt this on. Finally, they announced the launch of their own email and calendar service, Zoom Mail and Zoom Calendar Clients and Zoom Mail and Calendar Services. Now, these new products work together with the communication and collaboration offerings already available within Zoom, meetings, phone, whiteboard, and team chat. These products are already available. This means that teams will be able to move quickly and seamlessly from a video meeting into an email. They can elevate a chat message to a phone call. They're going to be able to collaborate on projects, and early next year, they will even be able to share out their whiteboards all without ever leaving the Zoom platform. Now, the Zoom mail and calendar clients, which are currently in beta right now, will let any Zoom user, free or paid, have access to their existing email accounts from Gmail and Office 365 directly within the Zoom desktop app. Now, the Harvard Business Review did a study fairly recently and found that employees spend almost four hours a week reorienting themselves after toggling between apps. That's half a working day. They're doing that each week. By my calculations, that could be up to 26 days a year people spend mucking around reorienting themselves after switching apps. By having the ability to access emails alongside the other modalities that Zoom have, means that they have the potential to reduce this toggle tax, and it will enable their users to better focus on work. Um, and in addition to those clients, Zoom have announced Zoom Mail and Zoom Calendar as a service. Currently only available in the US and Canada and on specific plans, but users will be able to have the ability to set up an email account hosted by Zoom at no additional cost. And customers with a Zoom One business or higher plan will have the ability to set it up as a custom domain. Now, time will only tell if this gets rolled out across Europe and beyond. I've used Zoom and I've used Teams. In fact, I've used both today. To me, what Zoom are doing with email integration is what Teams should have done from the start. Having all of that functionality from a single application is something that telecoms providers have been talking about for years, but it's never quite hit the mark. There's always been some sort of toggling between apps. Now, if Zoom do this well, from a productivity perspective, this could be an absolute game changer. Right. My final piece of news this week comes from Microsoft. And this news comes from an announcement that was made at the start of this month. And that news is Microsoft are proposing six monthly price reviews starting in the first half of next year. Now, Microsoft have historically maintained a price increase as needed style of approach, which is why we hadn't seen any sort of price increase until the start of this year when they launched NCE. NCE being new commerce experience, and it had been a decade since they upped their prices last. Now, most companies paused price increases where they could due to the global and political events of the past couple of years. You know, we're talking COVID, the war in Ukraine, etc. 
and that's to be commended. But at the same time, it isn't a long-term viable business strategy. And unlike most businesses that typically offer cloud services who will do this priced in US dollars, Microsoft offer 16 different local currencies across their channels to customers. And this proposal is somehow going to be a way to ensure that local currencies are better aligned to the dollar. What does that mean for us? Chances are, because of the value of the pound and the value of the euro, when we compare them to the dollar, we're most likely going to see some sort of increase in the next 12 months. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if it's within the next six. However, if that currency valuation was to change, Microsoft have said prices could come down as well. Now, I could see this being a problem for a lot of people. From an IT business owner perspective, for one half of the year, I could be selling my Microsoft licenses for £10 a month, let's say. Then in the second half of the year, it could be £15 a month. Then six months after that, it could be £7.50 a month. This means that IT companies will have to keep their eyes on the pricing even more regularly than we do now. It will also mean that communication with customers has to be better, has to increase. Now, for those customers who buy direct from Microsoft, you too will have to monitor your pricing a lot more avidly than ever before. And if you don't have time to do that, who will? Because you're buying directly from Microsoft. Microsoft aren't going to tell you necessarily that there's a price increase coming. So that's it for the news. Let's move on to the brain dump. It's time for the brain dump. Here we are in the brain dump. Now, with the cost of living, price increases are continuing. How much are you spending per month to run your office's technology or your business's technology? Now, I'm talking about things like PCs, laptops, Macs, TV screens, printers, scanners, multifunction devices, your lighting, your heating, your phone systems, your conferencing solutions. The list is kind of endless. Now, I've worked out mine. I run a MacBook Pro M1, which is connected to two 24-inch curved monitors with an energy rating of B. I've got a brother multifunction device with an EPC rating of C, and I reckon it costs me about £2.40 a day. If I include my mobile, it goes up to about £2.60. So over the average working month, it's about £58 a month. Now, I've got an electric car out there as well, and on average, I spend between £70 and £80 on recharging. So that's £140 a month. Oh, and I work from home most of the time. So heating, kettles, toasters, fridge, etc. Usage becomes like a black hole. But let's face it, even when you're sleeping or you're at work or you're out of the house or you're out of the office, we're still using electricity. Routers, SME, uh, routers screens, smart devices... They're all left on standby and they'll continue to use a small amount of electricity. And these are the sorts of things that people never think about. Hell, I didn't think about it until a few weeks ago. Now, with the colder months coming in, as a business owner, your staff may be looking to you to allow them to work from the office rather than home so they can keep their energy costs down during the week. Whereas you might be wanting your staff to remain remote or go and work remotely to keep your energy costs and consumption down 
because the price of energy continues to rise quite sharply. But have you considered phantom load? Phantom load is the energy we use by having devices on standby. Now you can check this by using an energy monitor, which you plug into a plug socket and then you attach the device to it using an, the front facing socket. And once you've got your energy meter set up, you can go around, check your devices for their standing rate and their in use rate. So you can see how much each device consumes. And from there, you're able to fairly accurately calculate your costs. Now, the quickest way to calculate your cost is to know how much you're paying per kilowatt hour for your electricity and how many watts each device draws on average. If you then multiply the watt reading by 24 and divide that answer by 1,000, you'll have your daily kilowatt hour consumption. If you then multiply this by your unit price and again by 365, you'll know how much it costs to run each device for a full year. Now, doing this will take a bit of time, but from there, you're able to understand what you're spending, and then you can figure out simple ways to reduce that cost. Now, we also have to consider what will happen if the UK, which is where I'm based, have these proposed rolling blackouts. Now, are you and your staff using equipment that is energy efficient? Are you and your staff using laptops and tablets instead of desktops? So if the, black, uh, the blackouts happen, your team can st still keep working on battery power. Are you prepared to be without an internet connection? Do you and your teams have large enough mobile data plans so they could potentially tether their mobiles to their laptops so they can remain online if needed? And do you have... UPSs, uninterrupted battery supplies or uninterrupted power, uh, power supplies connected to servers and other devices that you need to run in the event of a power outage. Now, if you ask me, now is too late to look at your cost per person and to work out how you can save some money. But if you haven't done it yet, do it as soon as you can. And I'm talking about doing it now, not so you can invest in the next big thing, but to ensure your business is here in 2023 and beyond, because places are closing. With that, we're now going to jump to the tip of the episode. Our tip of the episode. And today's tip of the episode is to look at your energy costs. It's no longer a matter of getting to it when you can. It was business critical months ago. If you aren't sure how to do it, or if you don't have the time to do it yourself, there are companies out there that will review your usage and help you find savings. Likewise, if you can't make savings because of the age of your building or other things that are outside of your control, look at what you can control. Make the best decisions you can with the evidence you find. So my tip of the episode this time, review your energy bills. So here we are. We've reached the end of the episode. I've been Tony, the IT smart guy. Thank you so much, as always, for watching or for listening. I hope you have found this episode insightful, and I look forward to speaking to you again next time. Now, if you have enjoyed this episode, please do let us know by leaving a review. 
And we would love for you to subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, just before I finish, I want to give a quick shout out to my good friend, Keith Blakemore Noble. He is known as the Mindset Master. He helps people with things like losing weight, biting their fingernails, talking on video. He helped me. He is running a crowdfunder campaign right now uh, to help him release his next book, Anti-Manipulation. This is going to um, this book is designed to teach you ways that people potentially sell things to you in perhaps not quite an ethical manner. It's not going to teach you how to do it. It's going to teach you how to watch out for those signs, though, so you can steer clear of those manipulative people. If you're interested in finding out more about the crowdfunder and the book, take a look at the show notes and I'll pop a link to his website right there. With that, I bid you all adieu and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the IT Smart Guy podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and we'd love for you to like and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice.